program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest today, Benjamin King, but he says I can call him Ben, and Benjamin is three syllables, so... If you're serious, I'll just call you Ben. But everyone else, you have to call him Benjamin unless he says. Yeah. I try to go by Benjamin uh, okay. a few okay. times throughout Bye. my life, but it was too many syllables. Everybody <laughs> I'll kept go by Benjamin. It. We'll, we'll go all formal. And you, you, <laughs> that way you can call me Lita, which, or Lita, which is two syllables, but you don't have to do the t to spit on people. Lita. <laughs> Right. But sometimes people have shortened my name to Lee and I'm like, you know, Lita is not that much work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not that much more. And Lee is a different name. Lita. Yeah. Yeah. Lita. Well, I, I utified my name. My parents, <laughs> I was named after a lady whose name is Lita. And that, and even though it was spelled L-E-T-A, my parents named me after her. And I didn't realize till maybe a year ago, that my name technically is Lita, but we you, we utified it, which for those who are not in Utah, that means we say mountain. We just swallow the D, the T to a D. Yeah. To a so I'm like, oh, I, by my very name, I am revealing where I'm from. However, it is a Swahili name that means bring it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love so it. We know each other from networking, which was a really fun networking group because we actually, instead of just being like, here's my business, we'd actually talk about what kind of motivates us. And then we became Facebook friends and we stayed Facebook friends. But um, you've just walked into this really cool space with amazing ceiling tiles, with dragons. And behind you, it looked like there was almost like this is it like a Buddha center behind you from the other <laughs> camera angle. Oh, that's my... Uh, no, there was well, there like a little, like almost shrine looking thing or was I just... Oh, yeah, that's over my there? statue. That's yeah, you got the rock crystals right of healing. No, I was I was going for the little flame things there, the little crystals. That maybe the um, altar was happening. Oh, yeah. Okay, those are salt salt lamps. Salt lamps. Yeah, see, I wasn't, I wasn't quite on it, but... Um, yeah, that's from... See, I built a salt cave. I have a healing center. It's called the Center for Deep Healing. And when I moved in, I had to figure out, man, what am I going to do with all of these rooms? What is each space going to be dedicated for? Right. And uh, one morning in the shower, which is where I get some of my best revelation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's, there's no shame in that unless you're having a party, unless that's how you are. I mean, not, not here to judge. But... <laughs> Well, I wasn't expecting this kind of inspiration to come this, uh, but I saw this room be a salt cave. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I ordered like over 2000 salt bricks straight from Pakistan, which is where it's harvested. Wow. Uh, Himalayan salt. And, uh, and it wasn't that much more to just have a bunch of salt lamps added to the order. 
Right. Yeah. And I had it shipped all the way over uh, to a port in California and then trucked into Utah. And uh, I didn't take long to sell all of the salt lamps, but those were two of the biggest ones that I decided to keep. Well, that was before all the shipping issues because you could actually get things here. Yes. So, okay. I know that Himalayan salt, when it comes to cooking, has like Mm -hmm. supposed to be better for you and yummier. I mean, I can taste it. It's different than like the iodized salt that you typically think of as table salt. Right. So tell me what, um, cause I heard a little bit about this, but not well enough to explain. So explain to the audience why, why Pakistan Himalayan pink salt is the thing. Uh, well, we refer to it as Himalayan salt and we think it comes from the Himalayas, but there's actually no salt in the Himalayas. It's, it's from Pakistan, but it's, it's close enough in the region that they call it Himalayan salt. Okay. Um, well, the mountains be- are big. I mean, they're, they're, those Himalayan mountains would still be over into Pakistan, right? Yes, but they don't produce salt. Okay, but it's still Himalayan. Correct. Yeah, we'll refer to it as Himalayan salt. And it's still beautiful. <laughs> and um, it has uh, 84 natural trace minerals. And so that's why it would be good for you know, incorporating into our diet. And it is very calming and relaxing. And yes, if you do heat it up, it, it emits what is called negative ions. Negative ions help purify the air. Okay. Uh, but you'd, have okay. To, you'd have to heat it up quite a bit, much more than what a 15 uh, voltage or 15 watt lamp can do. But it's the ambiance of the environment that when you walk into, salt does have a certain kind of quality, what you would say an energetic quality to it. Right, right. And... Um, the therapy, it's really mostly for decor, but the therapy comes from what is called halotherapy or dry salt therapy. And and that is creating an aerosol. You have to have a special machine that will micronize salt and distribute it into the air in the form of an aerosol. And the microns are small enough to be uh, absorbed into the deeper tissues of the lungs and so it's like giving your lungs a gentle cleansing and scrubbing because like salt scrub. Yeah, kind of. Salt is very, um, it's naturally antifungal, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory. Yes, yes. So yes. You, you can really uh, use dry salt therapy or halotherapy to address any kind of respiratory problem. Smoker's but you wouldn't cough. want to do that with your table salt. Well, no, not really, because um, it has to be micronized. It has to be really, really small in order to do the job. Right. And table salt is not all pure. Um, What you want (laughs) to. Right. I'm just clarifying. (laughs) I know this. I love how you're trying to be like all like lead on. No, I'm just helping guide you down this path of you want this kind of salt and comfortable on my salt cave. That's what I was trying yeah, to yeah. trying to get at there. Or, you want to you look know. for 99.9% pure sodium chloride. That's what, that's what you use. Okay. Perfect. And uh, anyway, but that, that, that's actually uh, just a, a side little thing from uh, the main focus of, of what I right. do. It's, well, it's what I could do with the room. 
when you have a visual person, they come in and they're like, Ooh, show me this detail. Show me that. <laughs> and it's a podcast. So people are like, we don't see it. So you'll have your website link so they can, they can get a tour or whatever of your cuteness. So yeah, that's um, a good idea. tell us more. You're like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. That, that is a good idea. When, I mean, it's a cool looking space. So um, I'm sure other people would like seeing it. Yeah. So um, I'll just tell you the back story here. So I was introduced to a really interesting concept, a uh, practice called Qigong. Qigong. I've heard that before. Have you? Yes, I have heard that before. I, I've, I know it's with a Q and the, you know, and the, I mean, I can see the kind of spelling in front of me, but uh-huh. please tell us more about it. So prior to 2016, I never heard of Qigong. Okay. And for the most part, anybody in the United States who has heard of Qigong has heard it through the martial arts. That's probably where I heard it because um, I studied karate for seven years. Oh, I Shotokan. didn't know that about you. Really? Well, I did Shotokan for a little bit. What? There you go. Yeah, did you get yeah. did you get to the point where you can shoot fireballs out of your hands? Yes, absolutely. Of course. I mean, that's why I'm called hotness. No, no, I, I didn't get to that point. <laughs> but I love that version of the story. Yes. Yeah. So Qigong is it it translates as life force skill. It's the um the skill, uh, the ability of cultivating this energy. Right. And in the martial arts, if you've seen any kind of demonstration of superhuman powers, superhuman ability, where they're smashing the bricks with their fingers or their hands. Yeah, I've done that. I've smashed the bricks and the wood, but oh I have not goodness. flung the fire. But I want everyone to think that I have flung the fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you fling the fire in your own unique way. That's without question. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, I just don't want that that little caveat of the story to be lost that Benjamin and I can fling fire in our own way. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the you you begin by imagining fire, okay? So you're right. you're connecting with this internal energy. And that's where you're cultivating the life force. And it, and it does feel warm and it does yeah. increase in heat because heat is just one of the ways that energy is manifested in the body. And this is like the Reiki. This is like a modality similar to Reiki. Is that right? So Reiki is Japanese and it's, it, it came from a Japanese doctor whose name was uh, Yusuri and he studied in China. Okay. And there you go. in the back, early, uh, early twentieth century. But the the energy of how you're like harvesting, harnessing energy. That's what I'm saying. Is how they're similar. But I love that it's you similar. knew the whole like origin story. Of course, you guys this is why. Well, I get. He's cool. Yeah, I get asked that question a lot. I get asked to, how is this like yoga? How is it like Reiki? How is it like, um, Tai Chi or any other practice? And so I'm. I'm ready to answer those questions. Perfect. Uh, yeah. After four years of doing this. Now, okay, so tell me, let's let's go back up for a minute because this is all fun and interesting. And then you can like share more of what you're doing. How wh- who's Benjamin King for those who don't oh. know you yet? 
Uh, wow, that's a good question. I'm still trying to figure it's that kind out. Of a, okay, maybe don't be so metaphysical about it, but like give a little history. <laughs> You're like, well, <laughs> don't, don't dive into the philosophy of this. Yeah, well, I mean, um, that question—that's like the question that can never really be answered, right? Because we're always evolving and becoming more. Mm-hmm. And what's the best version of ourselves may not be the version that we think we're working on, right? You know, like there's a well, lot we can go into. Especially when you recognize, okay, there's an aspect of my personality and my ego that's been acquired in this life. And, right, right. And I'm and I am seeking uh, healing and transformation, which means I'm 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 going to transcend above that. But what my life experience has been, I um, <laughs> I I've, just have I've to been laugh because a... you're like, you know, you're ready to have those deep conversations, and it's so cute <laughs> because yeah, some people and they're like, oh, I don't know, I don't do anything, and I'm like, no, come on, just give us a little bit of what you would call the life experience. So I love it. I, I would say that I found direction when I was in high school. Pre- prior to that, we were all over the place. So I sat down with my parents one time and I said, where have we lived? Where, where are all the places that we have lived? And I figured out that by the time I was 14, we moved 33 times. No. And some of those places were like motel rooms, uh, other people's basements. Uh, very, very transient. And I thought, I, I thought that was normal because that's all so I knew. You're a gypsy kind of, and, and I mean that in all the good ways. I don't like the negative stereotypes about gypsies, but there's like, there's almost this aspect of that culture of they're oh, yeah. always on the go. They're always moving. They don't believe in yeah. like, you know, putting their imprint on the land too much, you know? It, so, yeah, it was never intentional. There was always, <laughs> but uh, I, I was trying to spin it into a good way. But yeah, let's let's give us the story there because it's definitely different than most people. We, um, it, it gave me a chance to see different cultures and to um, be among different uh, mindsets, different kinds of people. So you were traveling all over the United States or all over the world or both? Mostly the West. So. Okay. Nevada, California, mostly Utah, Idaho. Um, but then we picked up and went out to the Pacific. So I lived, I was born in Hawaii. And then we lived in Samoa, American Samoa. No, that's how he about, said that. He's a white boy. I mean, excuse me. Are you white? I just, I just want Well, to- I, I think I might be my own version of a reverse Oreo too. I, I'd like to consider myself brown, like Hawaiian inside. Right, right. Okay. So we were making a joke before. Yeah. So- um, you, but you say Samoa, you say it like, like typically people would say like, you are from some, you know, you say it like you're supposed to, I feel like. And, uh, when I'm in the right group too, I'll say Hawaii or Hawaii. Cause that's, yeah, that's Hawaii. how yeah. <laughs> pronounced yeah. too. We have some good friends from Hawaii. And every time we would say Hawaii, she would go Hawaii. 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 It's, it's definitely I mean, not like, Hawaii. Right. Which is how I would say it before. You know, we moved around a lot and, but we, we ultimately came back to Utah. And, and when I was in high school, I discovered a passion and a gift for theater and acting. And that's what my course was for the, for the following 14 years. That's what I, I went into college, uh, studied acting and, um, it was an incredible experience, really a great program. And while a lot of my friends went on to break into Broadway or into Hollywood, the program convinced me I did not 
want to make a living that was in not this career. What you wanted to do. <laughs> uh, I want to be home in the evenings. I want to be with my children. I want to be able to be involved in my my faith, my church. Uh, and I, a, I think a, I remember this aspect um, of our, our connecting at Corporate Alliance, the networking group we were in. And you were also like a, a trainer or something for them too? Like yeah. Like a connector. <laughs> what, what was your title there? So I did the first 18 months sales, but then the last year I was director of training and development. So all, all events, all of the events right. from the hour and a half lunches to the three-day retreats up in... Uh, right you know, the Sundance right. area was what I designed and created and organized. And, um, and I remember I was one of your first um, hired speakers. So I was pretty happy about that, you know, for the, uh, yeah, for the women. Yeah, I'm like, you know, no big deal. You know, um, you know, it's always a compliment when you're like among one of the first that they hire, you know, because it's like, they're trusting you. So that's cool. Uh, you know, but um, I got to go back to this moving 33 times. Cause you said it wasn't by choice or religious affiliation to the, the gypsy lifestyle. Um, what did your dad do and your mom do to like support you guys? Cause it'd be kind of hard to move every six months. Um, yeah. So the word support, I think that was <laughs> where <laughs> they did what they could. Yeah, so this, I, this is an example of someone being graciously letting people be where they were. Well, I um, we I would say we got very close as a family, right? In all the different situations that we were in, and uh, let's just uh, we were always pursuing the dream. My dad was a um, entrepreneur. He decided he got to a point where he had a choice to make between finishing college and trying to go on to med school or um, go forward with a very successful Coco Samoa drink company. He learned the island way of, of roasting the cocoa bean. Oh, and, yes. oh yeah, yeah. Um, he could prepare it just like a native. And he broke, he, he was able to bring that traditional cultural drink to the Polynesian market in California. And that is what opened up so many opportunities. And he even got to the point where he was signing a contract with Guitar Chocolate Company uh, to manufacture this cocoa drink. But um, my, my dad wasn't very savvy in the ways of the world. And so it was easy to take advantage of him. Mm. And that's why, that's what kept repeating over and over and over. And that's why I grew up hating business. I thought business and people who did business were evil because wow. it was what always put us in the poorhouse. It's what always um, kept us now pursuing the next dream, pursuing the next thing. And so my dad has been involved in at least so how many kids six were... or seven different industries. There's eight kids. And so were you guys being homeschooled? I think that was the intention. Got it. My, okay. my older sisters were able to go to high school, but um, I also struggled with an anxiety. I couldn't handle school. I, I, I was really humiliated and traumatized in second grade uh, when, I, when I didn't know how to read. Mm -hmm. So I got, I got really behind in all of my schooling so that when we finally settled in Provo, Utah, and... Um, 
I decided to give it a try. And by the way, that was a whole process, right. a whole yeah. uh, journey of getting to the point where I could have enough confidence to walk onto campus. Because wow. at that point, I had less than three years of schooling. I just, wow. I don't think I, I think I read one book cover to cover. And I think it was uh, the children's version of the of Hook, you know, the story of uh, right. Peter Pan. Peter Hook. Pan Hook. Yeah, yeah. That's what I read. That's that was my exposure to literature. So the confidence to walk onto campus compared to the confidence eventually where you went into the arts. That's a huge, oh, yeah. that's a huge arch. That's a hero story right there for sure. That you overcame something like that. Yeah, and and I've done hundreds of shows. And I mean, that was a transformation. Most of my high school friends still have no idea what kind of childhood I had still have, they would have never have guessed that I drew, I grew up as a scared little rabbit, uh, right. deeply well, insecure. Um, seeing your, your father, um, I mean, it's never fun to see anyone we love fail or be taken advantage of. And uh, definitely a formative experience. I mean, I grew up traveling a lot because my dad was a trucker. So I always say I was raised in two extremes, truck stops in Provo, Utah, um, <laughs> you know, but it's an interesting thing that we've structured society in such a way that the, the gypsy lifestyle, right. It used to be a way of life, you know, that you could do that. You could move from farm to farm or, you know, from town to town and you could pick up work and you could do that. And it was totally okay where now that kind of thing, people go, there's not going to be um, a network that's going to shame me for taking advantage of this person. Mm. You know, it's, that's sad. So, you know, okay. So back to your story, Benjamin, see how I'm doing so good. Cause now nice. I'm gonna, I can do three syllables. You're worth, you're worth it. And you can say, <laughs> you know, you can do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. I um, I look I look back though at at the whole experience, and I I could say that every single one of my siblings at some point needed therapy. We needed some way to kind of readjust our paradigm to figure out what the world really is, uh-huh. and our own potential in it. Right, 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 and. Um, the fact, I mean, graduating high, going to high school was a miracle. Graduating high school with a very low GPA was incredible, let alone, you know, going on to do college and then going on, like you said, being in the performing arts and, and, and being able to travel throughout the country and, and doing right. some shows and performances. Um, and then becoming a mentor and trainer to other um, business people. I mean, you did it. Good for you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would say I'm still doing it and I'm still learning and I'm still. Well, Cause you're not dead yet. So <laughs> it's good to keep learning. <laughs> you know, it'd be really boring to hit a point in life where you knew everything or really egocentric to think you do. Yeah. There's, there's too much, there's too much adventure out there. There's too much yeah. that is waiting to be discovered that um, I, because of what I do now to help people, you know, in, in teaching classes or helping one-on-one, uh, um, it is therapeutic work, helping people to um, break out of old patterns, break out of 
limiting um, paradigms and perceptions. Um, because I do look back on my whole life and am able to draw upon the experiences as well as what um, I've learned over the past four years of immersing myself into Eastern thought, Eastern philosophy, that is holistic in nature, and help people to discover things about themselves that they never would have supposed. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm saying this. No, I, I feel like what well. you're saying is that we perceive ourselves one way and Eastern thought um, has a different perspective than, um, than our Western mentality. So it kind of opens people up to what, what you know, the, those metaphysical questions that you're so quick to be willing to answer, right? Yeah. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And approaching it in a different way than... Um, Western philosophy, which is either answered by religion or success. Right. So everything Western, and you can see it in Western medicine, you can see it in uh, Western uh, science, the Newtonian model of science. If everything's structured, everything's linear, we want to make things predictable. And so we go through life with that kind of mentality, uh, thinking that that's that's how the world is. We, we go through step-by-step, step, um, you know, we get on this track and it's usually with the education system. So we're, we're advancing from first grade, second grade, third grade, you know, we right. number it just like this. Everything is set up on this track of giving us this sense of I'm moving forward, I'm progressing, I'm growing. And if I'm behind, which I know what it's like, you get this frantic anxiety of, now I'm catching up. Now I got to catch up. And right. if I, there's a, there's a set standard of where you're supposed to be by what age, you know, the exactly. success model. Right. And if you're not, a, if you're not successful and a winner, then you're a loser and you, and you're, you're not measuring up. So believe me, this was my reality. This was what I experienced and saw from my dad and his reality. I, I, um, and I think maybe it impacts uh, a young man in a young, you know, sons when they witness their fathers constantly struggling, constantly uh, looking for that breakthrough and that success where you can arrive at that point and say, okay, I've arrived. I've actually made my imprint well, in the world. Because men are, you know, in our um, Victorian culture that is translated into a lot of American culture, men are supposed to be financially successful. Like that's what they're supposed to do. It has everything to do with how they define themselves and identify mm -hmm. who they are in society. Well, as Shakespeare said to woman, a work, her work is of the heart and men or to women is a thing apart and men is a thing of his heart. I might have slaughtered oh. that quote, but it's basically saying like women can tend to be able to define themselves in a lot of different ways. You know, we can be nurturers, we can be mothers, we can be, um, you know, in Shakespeare's time, we could also work in business, you know, uh, of course, at the side of our husbands, 
right? Mm -hmm. But women could do lots of different roles, but men take to heart what, how they make money. Yes, because that is the, that is the definition. That's what defines me as a man, especially if I'm protecting or earning, which is a form of protecting, you know? So it's funny to me when people are like, oh, women have had to go through all of these. And it's like, yeah, women have had to do that, but we've got to give men the freedom to not just be earners, you know, like a stay at home dad. That's there's why, why would people make fun of that? You know, if his husband or his wife is more inclined to want to do that, then that's fine. Right. Cause everybody's unique. There's, I tell you, when you go through challenges, you're brought to places where you're questioning, you question, what is my role? What am I doing? Um, what gives me fulfillment? What gives me uh, purpose and connection? And so um, I guess going back to what uh, we were talking about earlier and the whole introduction to um, this practice that I do, Qigong, what it is, and um, uh, Eastern, an Eastern mindset and belief, and that is seeing things from a holistic standpoint that is not linear, but rather multidimensional. And um, which is really at the heart of what a lot of people's core beliefs are, you know, especially in a religious way, in a faith. It, that's one of the hardest uh, dualities to navigate, by the way, is, and so that's my emphasis. That, that's what I really, I would say that's my bread and butter is getting right to the heart of everything, right to the heart of not only illness and disease and, and uh, pain, but get to the heart of um, what I would call the spirit, the mm-hmm. spirit of it, the spirit of the matter. Right. And so, um, because how can I? Western idea, like let's say you're sick, um, then here's a pill. You know, here, take this pill. But maybe you're sick because you've not been getting enough sleep, because you're upset or distraught or something about some other situation. And they're masking up that symptom of not feeling well with the pill. So you never under, un, you never address the sleep. Exactly. Or any of the other underlying causes of right. an imbalance. Right. And, and that's what, that's what health and wellness and wholeness is all about. Considered from an Eastern standpoint. Because uh, in Chinese Eastern it's you're saying how it's becoming like this whole person and your most complete picture of what that looks like versus just showing up to perform, you know, and I'm imagining after, you know, COVID kind of rocked people's systems and ways of being mm-hmm. that that's very timely for what you're doing, because um, I know my husband's work, he's an attorney and a lot of people in his field really struggled with not having the corner office and all the people, you know, pandering to them. And my husband works from home remotely and has for seven years. So he was like, you know, 
it was fine. Like this didn't really affect him, but a lot of coworkers reaching out and being, how do you handle, or not just coworkers, but just people in his profession reaching out and being like, how do you handle not being the center of things? And he's like, okay, that's an interesting, that's really, you know, that if you're having to be the center hub of things, how do you handle having to find that balance within yourself instead of people pandering to you or looking to you or coming to you? Right, right. And that, and that touches back on what I was talking about earlier about um, the ego. We, we place so much self-worth, so much value on the external that we feel gives us a sense of uh, importance and identifiers. And so I'm going to relate to that. When you say, who's been king? There, there are many different ways that I could answer, but some people feel like they have to answer by saying, oh, I'm Ben King. I'm the business owner. I'm Ben King. I'm the, the husband and father. I'm Ben King. Uh, and here are my achievements. I'm, I'm the Qigong teacher or something like this. And, right. um, and you're right. So, I, mean, I was like, give us your story, you know, tell us about you. And the question is, what do I mean by that? You know, well, I, I'm trying to like dig in deeper, but you're right. We, we kind of just all do that with this. What are the labels that you are comfortable labeling yourself with instead of what motivates you? What are, you know? Who- yeah, well, I would, I would, I would take it even deeper than that. And I would say, I willingly let go of all labels. Yeah. Um, there is nothing that um, I am placing um, any kind of sense of real value on something that is temporary. Yes, yes. Or it can be taken away. Right. Because going back to COVID, if I am placing how important I am and I'm looking at myself as I'm Ben King, the business owner, and then all of a sudden that business is stripped away, all of a sudden those, uh, those connections are lost. Where does that leave me? Yeah, right. Exactly. That leaves me lost. That leaves me floundering. I'm, I'm, I'm flailing my arms in the water, trying not to sink because outside validation of what Mm -hmm. you're getting from the people that are, you know, that you're the hub that they circle around. And again, this can be, you know, for, for moms, I think moms struggle with this a lot. You know, who am I, if I'm not a mom and I had to confront that with the death of my kid, um, in a really beautiful, I mean, it's one of the gifts that came out of that is that I savor the moments instead of the time when everything will be perfect right? You know, when, because all of those things are, are different with the death of a child and it's a gift to just be like, I am me and I don't need other things. And that's one of the things I teach in, in confidence is that you have to learn how to not get external sources of validation. You'd be a really good Taoist or Buddhist. Excellent. <laughs> Except the whole being quiet thing. <laughs> Okay. What do you mean by that? Well, um, I I've known a couple of monks and one is a female monk. She was actually one of my first guests on the podcast. 
and she's she's very sweet and soft spoken. So soft spoken, I'm out. Then my mom went to school with um, uh, when she was um, pursuing her master's in um, special education. She was going to school with the Thai monk who was like the head of education in Thailand. He was like one of the top Thai monks. And he was very, very soft-spoken. And so with that very large breadth of experience, including Hollywood movies, um, so we'll count that as three exposures, monks seem to be very, very, you know, serene and quiet. And I'm, I can be serene, but not quiet. So I would, yeah, I would say there's no requirement to be quiet. There's no. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I worry about that in my own faith when they talk about, you know, like the Bible, you know, talk about being, you know, quiet. I'm like, yeah, that's not the angel I am. You know, like that's, <laughs> I just, dis, I just dismiss that part. I just ignore it. I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> when here's what happens and i'll just speak from my experience um 2020 forced a lot of people to do something they weren't comfortable with and that was to go inward and um i personally knew a woman who came and got involved in my program here just before the lockdown or the the whole quarantine thing And she came to class one day and said, I am really grateful for this uh, influence in my life right now because the fact that me and my husband and our three kids have to share space inside the house, we don't know how to handle this. We don't know what to do. Um, And it was forcing them to actually confront issues that were not being addressed because of the business uh, that they had before the busyness at, provided a, a wonderful distraction right as long as they had reasons to go out and do things you know i got commitments here i got sports i got school i got this i got jobs but then they could manage that became the the norm was just those light few uh touch points because there was just some things in the, in the dynamics of the family and the way the communication was that they're always uh, avoiding, always avoiding. Right. But now when they all had to be in each other's space, that's when some of the sparks were, were flaring. So that's, that's what happens sometimes in relationships. But what happens when you go in and you, you make yourself available to you and right. go inward, you start working through what I call the transformational process. And that is where you are reconnecting to the true self, to the true you. And that's underneath all of the masks, the ego, right. the defense mechanisms. And when you find that place within you, um, it's a very sacred experience. And yeah. so I know you've been in sacred places. When you are immersed in that space um you just don't have a need to be um loud or expressive or out there not that that's wrong it's just that there is a uh, yeah i mean because definitely i'm not gonna let you say being loud's a problem 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? <Right>. But um, <laughs> it's, um, if you took it all away, like before COVID, I would say to people, you know, oh, it's so cool. You've done this, 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 and this. And I'd say, you know what? Because I was trying to share what you, what you're saying here, but I didn't do it as eloquently, but I'm saying you could take it all away and I would still be okay. And they just be like, and some people are like, I get what you're saying, but a lot, most people are like, I don't get how you'd be okay. But I had to learn that. And I'm still learning that even if you took away my child, not okay with it. But what does that mean about how I perceive myself? And on the other side of that, there's the yin and yang of, you know, the, the Chinese philosophy. And I always use this, there's light and there's dark, but they're always together. Yeah, I'm going to show you right If we're right so there. busy, boom, there he goes. He's showing me the, the yin and the yang. And this was something that brought me a lot of peace because you're looking at every religion or every philosophy there is always the opposition and they're needed and they're both needed. And in the side of the yin and yang, there's a little light circle within the darkness. And that's where you are in your, your trials and your, your difficult times. You have to find that light or you're going to stay in the darkness, but the, the darkness and the light that whatever darkness you've been exposed to, you're entitled to that equality of light. And so someone who's an innocence who doesn't see other ways of being, they become just, they could be in darkness. They don't know, but you have to expose yourself to different ways of being. So you can always be stretching the light. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to look at the darkness and to see that people are unkind and you meet different people like your childhood, right. Of people mm -hmm. are always taking advantage of your dad, but then that has also given you light and how you choose to love and not take advantage of other people. You know, there's yeah. always a good, there's always, but um, I think in Western ideas or American philosophy, because I don't think all other countries do this, but we're just in the pursuit of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we, that's our biggest export, I think, is probably entertainment, right? But that is not how you build resilience and confidence just being entertained or you said the word distracted so i i love this is all juicy i love all this yeah i you, you really are a dallas <laughs> <Excellent>. yeah <laughs> so it's, and it's dallas they get reincarnated are they ones that get reincarnated all of i haven't encountered an eastern philosophy that didn't embrace the notion of reincarnation Right. Okay. Cause I, and, I think it's a very interesting idea. Um, I don't know if I per se believe in it, but I believe that what I am is eternal and that's, right. and that's, you know, the reincarnation and maybe past memories are when we were like being ministering angels to someone in a different life. Right. Yeah. I like how the, the ancient uh, Chinese uh, describe it. And again, this is like at the, at the basis of some of the esoteric teachings that formulated their, their medical model and their healthcare right. system. It's understanding that, that you and I have what is called the Shen Xian. I don't pronounce it right, but it's the Shen Xian. It's the eternal soul. So but it almost sounds like the word sentient. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Probably because of the way I'm pronouncing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, because you're you're poly, 
so you're Polynesian, so you probably wouldn't be able to pronounce Asian words, right? I mean, no, not not very good at all. Yeah, I get that. But I but I try. Um, when yeah, when people walk into a space like this, and there's there's Chinese decor, and, and they expect me to at least have visited China, but I haven't. But you've got the bald head, very monk-like, very monk-like. I've gotten that comment. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh. I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just heard it before. <laughs> He's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the idea that there is a part of you that is truly you that has always existed. It's self-existing and it's, it's come down. It's slowed down its vibrational rate. It's been, enveloped in a spirit body and then in a physical body. And so you really are a multidimensional being right now existing in a, uh, a dualistic reality where we are experiencing light and dark and um, health and sickness. And this is the training ground for, for our um, life and existence and, and growth and learning and development. And so the, uh, the key to it, and when, and when I say you're a Taoist, I'm talking about the philosophy that I'm hearing coming out of you. Right. This, this philosophy of, you know, light and darkness, there is, they, first of all, they create each other. There would be no darkness if there was no light and there would be no light if there was no darkness. Exactly. So they create each other, they define each other. And um, you're learning that there's a harmony and a balance in it all. And when you can bring yourself into that balance um, and develop the wisdom, you can navigate the duality. You, right. can, you can cultivate your garden of peace. And, right. In midst of whatever's happening in your life, you can have inner peace with, and that's why I think it's sad that um, one, that religions didn't talk to each other as much, you know, and now that we're discounting religion, because how do you answer the, who am I without a philosophy of something being eternal within you? Cause then where's the purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's something um, that I, when people say, I don't believe there's anything beyond this, I, I hurt for them. I don't want to, you know, I think that every experience and every idea, you know, is cumulative to make them who they are. So I don't want to be like, no, you're wrong. You can't, you know, because how do I know what, um, where they need to be right then for what they need to experience. But it hurts me because it's been such an answer to know that there is purpose, even in suffering because it's refining what is me. Yeah. And usually, again, just from my own experience, whenever I've heard somebody make an expression like that of, I, I just don't believe that there's anything. Um, and this is a generalization here, but it, it usually doesn't take too long in the conversation before we can discover where they were hurt where there was a disappointment, where there was um, a very negative experience, either from growing up, childhood, 
uh, of a domineering uh, parent that made religion a forceful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and experienced compulsion, or the idea of God was very used uh, as controlling. Shame. Yeah, used as a shaming right. tool because religion. I mean, if we're honest, and I don't want to like pretend like pinpoint any religion. I've been listening to the history of podcasts, so I know this was the history of China, a history podcast, the history of China <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah. But religion, through both Eastern and Western has been used at different times in history to control people because it was very convenient to have something mystical out there that if you don't follow these rules, you're going to go to something poopy, right? you know? Um, but in, within every religion, there's the opportunity to evolve beyond that person who may be telling you this philosophy, you know, to connect with what, you know, I would call God or some people would call energy or the divine. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that, that God, you know, if people can interpret that to their different belief systems will meet us where we are and have that experience with us individually. And so that's why I never want to be like shaming someone and being like, well, I know, and you can't, because that might just be the experience that has been tailor-made for them to to evolve into what they're supposed to be and to have the unique gifts that they're going to give humanity. And yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to do the work that I'm doing because of some insights that I'm given into people's most intimate and private uh, experiences and beliefs. And what I have found is that, um, Usually people are pretty desperate anyway when they turn to alternative. They've exhausted the conventional medicine route and Western medicine. And, and if they don't find the answers they're looking for, then they'll, what, what have they got to lose? Let's go alternative. Right. Let's go holistic. Yeah. And yeah. so they tend to be a little more open-minded when they, when they get to me. And in the process of their healing and, and healing, what healing means really is just reconnect. It's coming back to the original, what I'll call the divine pattern, the divine alignment. Oh, I like that. I like that healings are coming back. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's returning back to where we were when we were children, little children mm. who had, there was no reality of religion. It was, we don't remember this, but children are very much connected to the spirit world. They're, they're very oh, yeah. much connected to the divine and a flow of spiritual energy uh, is there. And, and that's why I'm just going to brag for a second. Ever since my daughter died, little kids like me a lot, like they will strain to me and their parents are like, they don't normally do that. And I'm like, well, not to make you sad, but I, it's almost like a little, a little rip has been made for me because of my being willingness to hold the pain and to find the joy in it, that it's almost like this little thread to, to the eternity, to heaven is there for me and kids sense it. And I've noticed that it's a huge difference. Like just yesterday, I'm as a little boy of meeting his Afghani parents and their refugees. And, and he reached out for me and like grabs onto my hair and was smiling at me. And they were like, you're a good person because he likes you. And I was like, well, that's convenient. Cause I am. 
I am a good person, <laughs> but you know, um, they're just like, he doesn't, he doesn't do this. And this is all through Microsoft translator. But um, I just feel like that's such a huge compliment that little kids love me because, you know, I've, I feel like I've let go enough of some of those things that held me back and I'm still learning and I'm still growing, but kids, I and do think are open to those angels or whatever you want to call them. They naturally have those perceptive centers that, that we all used to have, but in, just in the process of growing and through trauma and where we're placing our sense of security and belonging, we naturally close off and we're adopting these defense mechanisms and how we want to perceive in the world, because at some degree, we're not safe. We don't feel truly safe being ourself right. mm-hmm. and being in, in different groups. But um, in the healing process, when I'm able to work one-on-one with people, what they go through is a transformation of heart because there's usually a breaking. Yeah. And that breaking facilitates an opening so that right. reconnection can happen. And they do find. Um, they hold on because they're so afraid of the breaking and you yeah. offer them that safe place. So that's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. But what they find is that connection once again to God, to the divine. And it's not, it's not distinct. It's not separate from their home of homes. I love that. I love that because in God has been used as this outside punishing, but when you truly, it is, you're like, wait a minute, it is a coming home. You know, whatever you need to label that to make it feel more familiar to you, I think God's okay with that. Um, But it is this perfect knowledge of comfort and our humanity gets in the way of it. So it doesn't stay clear, but those, when you've had those moments of like, everything is clear and it's within you and you realize that you have everything you need to navigate this well. And the better you hold on to that, the more clear it is. <laughs> but and so you know? I like how you you you're exactly right. I love that word clear because underneath all of the traumas, underneath all of the fears, the grief, the anger, the frustration, and the insecurities and the loneliness, all of that we describe as that's been acquired. That's that was what has been picked up on this yeah. journey in this world. Yep. Underneath all of this. You are in you you are indescribably radiantly eternally bright. Yes. Your hotness is there. This that's your hotness. And your yes. healing depends on your reconnection of this. So in these hospitals in China, right? The they have these vast medicineless hospitals. It doesn't matter what your illness is, it doesn't matter what your disease is, they're coming uh, to help you move your body so that you're awakening where the the issues are stored in the tissues but you're going through a spiritual transformation too you're going through an emotional cleansing you're releasing all of that deep-seated stress anger frustration but in that process you are realigning reconnecting it's all spiritual all of it is Mm -hmm. when you can the saying is when the spirit is at peace the heart is in harmony when the heart is in harmony the body will be whole right right because let's say um Um, I think, you know, being the devil's advocate kind of thing for a second, um, you know, people will be like, oh, if you have cancer, you need to go get medicine, but yes, 
you know, we, we love that we can have modern medicine to shrink tumors. Yet, what is the quality of life after this if you are not, if you are not taking the modality of inner healing? And so why not, whatever your different belief system is, to meld these two together, maybe you're more towards a holistic side versus the Western medicine side, maybe you're towards the, the Western medicine, but at least have something where you're looking at, um, you know, when you're, when you're sick, your body is sending you signals. And though you can up your nutrition and maybe take, you know, um, antihistamine or whatever, there's still something physical, there's still something emotional that you could address. And why not just be happier? Like, why not be open to that? Right? Always. There's always a, um, a psycho-emotional aspect of this that if you can address that, um, then you are really getting at the root of it. But it's deep healing. That, that's why the name of this center that I work from every day, this is called the Center for Deep Healing or Center for Deep Healing. And it's kind of a play on words because if you want deep healing, you must center. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you've got to. And, you know, I mean, my life that I've just shared, I was forced into, um, you know, a place of ground zero. But um, I often say that my daughter, one of her, her greatest gifts that she left is awakening me to me. And it almost That's seems beautiful. selfish to say it that way, that I would be gifted with such a radiant soul just to be awakened to me you know that just you know the compassion of of god and who i am but to me i just look at it like that was a gift and though i miss that because you know um a parent always loves their children um that i it's my opportunity to take every to you know to just take that sponge and squeeze out every good thing that comes from that and to clean up aspects of my life that don't keep me in line with that. And that meant releasing some people that were poopy, you know, and that was okay. <laughs> that's, that's really beautiful. Because I'm a Taoist. Uh, you are a Taoist. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the healing, the healing journey, is a sacred journey it's a it's a returning to who you really I are i love that i love that so much and to be able to take you use the word resiliency before to take traumatic and dramatic um, experiences of life that shake us right to the core and and um to take that with a beauty, with a grace, and with a perspective of eternal truth. But you did the allow same you. thing with your childhood of all these different things. And you were really young having to figure out how do I, you could have just been like, I'm a victim of this, but even just how you talked about it, you were like, well, support. And that was just <laughs> how you said that. It was layered with so much um you're it's almost like on one hand you were tasting the things that you learned of good and analyzing the things that you had to overcome and that's a beautiful way to look at at your childhood in it is what it was 
but there's lessons for good and for bad in it. And every lesson's good. There's, there is gold extracted out of mud and dirt and rock every day on the journey of um, awakening and enlightenment with the healing. Well, isn't gold always found buried in something dirty? You know? Yeah. So even if you find it in water, you got to shake out all the I've done some gold panning because I was in Alaska. So I'm an expert on this. It's actually done. It. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, you know, you have to shake out and you're using the water to shake out the gold flakes from the dirt with that agitation. So I'm, I'm liking that. That's a good analogy of how there's, there's gold and everything, right? Yep. Yeah. We could talk for a long time. You're super interesting. Well, uh, you, uh, <laughs> I've done, I've done other, other podcasts and you make this easy. <laughs> well, I've, I've been on a few and though I, I love the preparation that some people put into it. I'm also aware that when they're asking me a set number of questions and then they're responding that I'm just, if they're asking me the next question, we're not really responding to what was just said. And though I think I'm an entertaining guest, I'd be like, ooh, we could go deeper here. And so that was what I want to do with mine is to have it be where we're really trying to get to a conversation and how do two different people connect and that you can go out in your life and you can connect with, you know, the homeless guy or the CEO or, um, the mom with 20 kids. I mean, like if their experience is different than yours, that's an opportunity. And so let's go do that. Let's everybody's, everybody's hot. And what's yours. And we've got to share that. Right. I love that. And by the way, I, I love what you're doing on your Facebook group. I saw that story that you shared. And then the story that was posted today about the woman, uh, the mother in the airport with her children yeah. sleeping on the bathroom stall floor. Yeah, so ripples of change is where I'm putting some goodness out in the world, despite you know the the goodness I'm putting on my personal page, but it's all about service and connection. So uh, you know, thank you for being there and supporting. People are like, "What's the business point of this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's there for my charity, but really, we just have to be able to surround ourselves with goodness if we're going to bring more of that into our lives." And we're going on social media to to find out what's the next drama in politics, or we can go on there and connect with our loved ones, our friend, our community, and seek out positive content. So that's, this is what this podcast's about. That's what that's about. So <laughs> it's just different ways of doing it, right? That's, that's wonderful. Really, and, and needed. Well, thank you. And thank you for being a part of this podcast. And if you've got awesome inspirational stories of service and connection, which I know you do share those on ripples. So I curate all the content. So if anyone tries to sell anything, share anything poopy, I'm like, delete. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right, I'll take place. your invitation. I'll do that. Awesome. Anything you would like to share with the listeners on, I mean, we've, we've covered so much awesome ground. Um, any final, final parting wisdom? Let me, um, let me just say that underneath the hardest and greatest struggle, there is 
your greatest opportunity. There's your gold. And, and I'll, I'll put it differently in the words of Joseph Campbell. The cave you fear to enter contains the treasure you seek. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Benjamin King, four-syllable name, for being on <laughs> this um, episode of Share Your Hotness. Thank you, Lisa. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.